Hello everyone, welcome to yet another episode of SecTools podcast by Infosec Campus. I'm your host of the show Sanup Thomas. Today we have Jack Baker with us uh, to talk about his research and some interesting tools or or libraries or instrumentation that he created on WebAssembly. Jack, uh, welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. Great. Uh Jack, to start with um how Infosec happened to you? Everyone has their own journey how they get into like a um hacking slash infosec or security field um uh, what was your story yeah um i guess i i fit into a lot of the uh sort of negative hacker stereotypes i uh did not uh go to college for any of this and that's mainly because i didn't uh pay enough attention in high school uh but that is sort of where my infosec uh uh career started um I had a lot of interest as a kid in video games and uh, that started out as sort of making video games but the big problem that I think anyone who's ever tried to make a video game will probably tell you is it's really hard to follow through on all the all the work that actually goes into like building a full video game and as someone with sort of a a a, a hacker mindset I'm not very good at following through on things um so uh that that interest sort of developed into looking at other people's games and some of that was like well i hacking is cool i'd like to hack video games and just be better at this game without actually having to work at it but the thing that really always interested me was uh taking some game and trying to find the the secrets or the things that other people hadn't found so I guess I was doing reverse engineering before I knew that term where I was taking games that other people had made and looking for is there other levels that aren't in the game that aren't implemented or is if I do some secret thing can I do something that someone else hasn't done before and surprisingly all those skills that I was learning while I was not going to school when I should have not doing my math homework uh we're actually developing into something that i could sort of uh turn into a career so so lucky me i guess <laughs> yeah i mean that's what interest me as well like i was randomly searching for like a game hackers or some research that done in the gaming uh, security area not just the cheat sheet itself uh, but that's that has been um i think since the game was like like the 8 bit game on which the cheat sheet was always like a very prominent since then but today the game industry has changed into a whole new level and i was just uh, searching about the research uh, done in the game um, security area and then i happened to uh, watch your defcon 7 27 video i guess right um that's about like web assembly is related to like a um uh, security uh, game game security area i mean that that interests me so talk about how you get into like web assembly and and what web assembly in general Yeah so um I guess when I entered into like infosec as more of a career thing uh the couple of things that I found really interesting were I liked web applications I liked you know the the sort of bugs and code auditing uh sort of stuff that you would look at in say PHP or other web languages the higher level stuff but I also really liked the lower level like binary reverse engineering and and sort of embedded stuff and the i guess the trouble with there was that there was never really much of an intersection between those two worlds they were pretty separate things but when webassembly sort of 
came onto the scene, it was this interesting merging where it was like, oh, I'm looking at a web application, but I'm doing it in a disassembler. I, I could be doing it in, you know, Ghidra or something like that. And that, that just sort of felt like a really interesting world to me. And so in trying to learn how that worked, try to try to sort of keep up with the curve of this new technology, I started looking at, well, what are people actually using WebAssembly for? And um, what I eventually ran into was that the majority of WebAssembly stuff that I was finding on the internet was just video games. That was sort of the, um, the, the first place where you really saw it evolve because you're talking about like applications that do need to run fast and are doing all sorts of stuff. Uh, and JavaScript, just doing things in JavaScript, even with all the amazing things we've done to speed up JavaScript in your browser, uh, was just sort of uh, a bottleneck on getting things like video games, excuse me, uh, running well in your browser. And so uh, uh, when I started learning WebAssembly, that just seemed like a good fit. It was like, well, this is common and it's something that I sort of know how to do. So I'm going to look at hacking WebAssembly games. And um, I guess the, the thing that I ran into there is that there just isn't the tooling that there is for hacking desktop games. And that was sort of where I set out to be like, well, I, what if I could uh, set it up so you could do sort of the same things that I've been doing since I was a kid when we were talking about hacking video games and just sort of translate that to the WebAssembly world. Um, and so like one of those uh, useful techniques and probably the first thing you'll find if you look up, you know, how to hack video games on YouTube or something like this is this technique that I sort of refer to as like differential searching. Uh, and uh, so to give really the, the game hacking 101 example, it's usually something like you're looking at a game, you know, you have 100 health or something like that. Uh, and so you want to manipulate your health in some way. And so I'm going to attach this tool uh, called Cheat Engine, which has been around basically as long as I've been alive. Uh, and uh, I, I'm going to ask Cheat Engine, show me all the places in memory where I can find the value 100, which we know is our, our health value. And then one, it's going to come back with some big list and you're going to say, okay, I'm, uh, my health is probably one of these values, but I'm going to narrow it down. So I'm going to go and I'm going to take damage. Now I know my health is 95 and I'm going to ask... Uh, so do the search again, but of all those values that used to be 100, which ones are now 95? And basically narrow it down, you know, as many times as you have to do that until you found that value. And uh, from there, you can, you know, you can manipulate that value, but you can also basically identify the code that is associated with that. So you ask, ask Cheat Engine, uh, if this value gets read from or written to, show me the code that did that. Uh, and in doing that, you're basically able to take this really massive application, which a video game is, and in a really short period of time, narrow it down to just the aspects that are actually relevant to you. They're actually relevant to what you're looking at, looking for, which in this case would be the code that manipulates your health. Uh, so that's like a really easy but really useful example. But there were a couple pieces missing that didn't really... Uh, work in WebAssembly. So um, what, I set, uh, what I set out to do, rather than just like modifying the browser to say, allow for things like uh, setting watch points so you could read memory, it was more like, well, what if I could just modify WebAssembly binaries on the fly and just 
sort of put this capability in there. And when I uh, first set out to do this, it looked like this was just going to be too much of a like a, a performance hit. It was going to take too long to do the modification. And then once you had done the modification, that was going to have too much of an impact on the actual binary for it to run at any reasonable level. But um, WebAssembly is pretty amazing in that it runs at you know almost native code speed. It can be pretty easily translated just to you know whatever architecture your your uh, uh, your system is running on. And so with you know the right optimizations, the right ways to parse the uh, the right uh, uh, paying attention to how much you know. F extra effort you're asking the uh, the binary to use every time it searches for some value, uh, you can actually get away with a lot. Um, and so uh, I developed uh, a library that I called Whale, or just stands for the WebAssembly Instrumentation Library, that would basically just uh, intercept uh, WebAssembly binaries as they're in instantiated in your browser, do some modifications so that you could do these fancy little things to them, and then just put it back in your browser. And uh, surprisingly, this worked pretty well so that I could do sort of those cheat engine type of things where I could uh, look for these values in memory. I could see what code is reading or writing uh, to or from them. And um, that opened up this whole world of being able to do these really pretty simple like cheating uh, uh, techniques on WebAssembly binaries, even though WebAssembly as an architecture didn't really have uh, the stuff that maybe your your native architecture might uh, might be might use for those purposes, I guess. Um, question or probably a stupid question, mm -hmm. right? Um, yeah. When it's running in the web browser itself, um, how much we can actually leverage the the um, like built-in uh, web debugger, like the the what is it like web developer toolbar, like how much we can leverage there or like what's the limitations where um, that's not enough to do complete debugging or like what manipulation that we want to do on the web uh, web assembly code uh, that you end up creating like a full-fledged instrumentation by itself. Yeah, so that was my first attempt really was uh, what if I just use the built-in, like you said, the, the uh, dev tools debugger for WebAssembly to try to do this for me. And it would basically be, I'll set a, a breakpoint at this particular memory read or, or memory write or something, then have it do something and then go back into it. And uh, what my end result in that was that my browser would just totally freeze. <laughs> like it, the, the, I was asking so much of the browser that I just had to, you know, open up task manager and kill it. Uh, so as far as uh, just using the existing tools, uh, that would work pretty well for like a regular, you know, normal sized WebAssembly binary. But the thing that always becomes a problem when you're talking about like uh, video game reverse engineering, video game hacking doesn't have to just be in your browser is that you're typically dealing with binaries that are so much bigger than the normal like 
uh, normal software you might look at. There are a few exceptions, but for the most part, video games tend to be a, a really big outlier in that case. And so a lot of tooling just fails. And that's one of the, the first things I think you have to learn when you really get deep into looking at video games is you have to understand that some tools just aren't going to work. If you throw, you know, Ghidra at a big enough binary with, with all the analysis, um, all of the analysis loops on, it's just going to spin for like a week and then maybe run out of memory or something. So it, it, it's always been a challenging problem, but it is something you eventually uh, learn to deal with, I guess. Okay. But uh, before, uh, before building like Whale, uh, do you have any um, references or like was there any existing WebAssembly um, reverse engineering or instrumentation tools out there? Yeah, so uh, the one that I did look at um, was uh, oh gosh, I'm I'm forgetting the name right off the top of my head. Uh, oh, Wasabi, I'm sorry. Oh. Uh, and that was an existing WebAssembly instrumentation tool uh, built in Rust. And uh, while it it works really well, it's really convenient to work with. Uh, the problem was that it does most of its instrumentation kind of similar to uh, the browser dev tools, and that it essentially uh will put points in the code where it will call into javascript and then go back into webassembly and the transition between webassembly and javascript while reasonably fast it's definitely something that browser developers have worked on speeding up is still again kind of a bottleneck compared to just doing everything within webassembly and so avoiding that and just saying i'm going to modify webassembly by adding additional WebAssembly that does what I need it to was uh, a big asset in speeding things up. I see. But when you, so what's your approach in like um, um, researching on like a game, for, for example, like you, you uh, look for all uh, manual review processes or like, was there any like in a dumb first method, like for example, like a throwing a um, AFL plus plus or something like, is that, is that even possible for WebAssembly code? Um, uh, so uh, I, I've done some really basic fuzzing with like within the browser with WebAssembly, but it's typically just small things I write up myself. I think that would be a, a fantastic project if someone wanted to do it of uh, implementing like AFL or something that could be directly targeted at applications within the browser. But I am not uh, personally familiar with something where that's been done. I guess when I talk about like my my methodology of looking at some some video game, it's typically with a specific goal in mind. And so again, if it's like, oh, I wanna be, uh, uh, I want invincibility or something, it could be going through that process so I can manipulate my health, or I want to uh, be able to teleport or move really quickly. It would be a similar process just to identify the the, code and the memory addresses that are related to my position or my movement speed or something like that and uh, modify that way. Um, I think that that method I talked about of sort of differential searching is important because it allows you to go from this, again, pretty big binary with a whole bunch of code that you don't care about because you've got the whole game engine, you've got, you know, sound and video and all, all sorts of things that are probably not relevant to what you're looking for and narrow it down pretty quickly to the code you do actually care about. And that, that is, that is invaluable in the whole, when you're talking about the whole scope of a, like a game and its engine and everything. 
I see. I see. Yeah, the reason why I asked because um, I think few weeks back um, a tweet pop up on my you know, my Twitter feed. They they released something called um, Waffle. If I pronounce it correctly, it's basically WebAssembly with uh, uh, AFL plus uh, plus. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I haven't used it. It's basically uh, released by the Berlin University of Technology. Um, oh. I mean yeah just just by the name it looks like interesting uh, topic for me because I was just following up um whale for a while and then looked at these opportunities and then this pop up mm. for some reason so um yeah just to lighten up because this is too much technical stuff <laughs> how much uh, how like how long a day you play games uh now in my adult life I would say I do not play a whole lot of video <laughs> games at all but I think part of that is that my work which it typically is reverse engineering and hacking uh stimulates the same part of the brain okay. so uh it, it was a really easy transition from being a, a kind of a dirtbag teenager into going into the working world when i was able to be doing things that kind of feel like playing video games so um i guess i would say it's not that i ever outgrew playing video games it's just that what i do now is similarly satisfying but also brings in a paycheck so i guess depending on how you want to answer that question you could say i'm either never or always playing video games <laughs> yeah i understand i don't know like the the industry for the game security right now uh, it's pretty much like an untouched uh, domain for me uh, personally Uh, but i'm curious to know um like the other software uh, technologies out there or the companies for example like there are web bugs or there are binary bugs or there are like rather just the application bugs and and there is a call it as like bug bounties or vulnerability disclosure programs um they do have a, a series of these programs out there uh what's the situation in web web, web assembly so rather what's the situations in the gaming industry Yeah um so i would say like in browser sort of games are still sort of i don't know about still but they are currently the uh, a pretty small part of like the market share there you've got a lot of mobile games a lot of desktop games and browser games are still sort of their own well are now sort of their own little uh, niche it was more of a thing when i was say a teenager in new grounds and stuff like that were was big i think that's uh that's shrunk down a whole lot but as the uh, talking about the the game end industry as a whole i would say um the bigger companies uh, are putting a lot of money into uh preventing hacking and a lot of that money is going out to hackers who are finding stuff so um i personally can vouch for having uh gotten bug bounties from a couple of the uh, uh the bigger uh game makers and game engine developers um but uh even to talk outside of my experience uh uh there's a lot of people making a whole lot of money from uh finding bugs in like those anti-cheat tools that run on your desktop um and i think that's that's really where a lot of the money is going uh from as far as development into preventing hackers a lot of that is going into building anti-cheat tools that run on your computer and basically prevent you from using things like cheat engine or or tools that I've been talking about. Uh I think this is an interesting sort of intersection with um kind of like traditional enterprise networking because anti-cheat has a lot of parallels with like antivirus. 
uh, where uh, you're using very similar methodology to bypass something that's running and has a whole lot of privilege on a computer and is looking for basically exactly what you're trying to do. Uh, and uh, there, there is uh, a lot that can be uh, a lot that can be learned by analyzing, say, anti-cheat that can be applied to bypassing antivirus. And in fact, I would say that uh, uh, if you really want to challenge as someone who has had to deal with anti-cheat, you should be you should be giving that a shot because anti-cheat goes in a lot of ways above and beyond what even antiviruses are. Uh, feel like they can get away with sort of like ethically on your computer. And I think what that uh, part of that comes from this sort of adversarial relationship. So like you've got antivirus, which at least is uh, intending to do something, you know, beneficial to the user. It's trying to prevent some external attacker from doing bad things to your computer. And it's there to help you. Whereas anti-cheat is sort of at odds with the player. It's like, I'm watching you, the person who owns the computer and has physical access to it and trying to prevent you from doing something that you may very well want to do with your own computer. And so you see these really, really high level and really kind of intrusive um, security mechanisms to the point where you see anti-cheats that can that are crashing computers or, or doing uh, uh, really... Uh, privacy invasive stuff to to prevent their users from uh from cheating obviously with with varying degrees of uh uh of success um but it is it is just an, another interesting place where there is sort of a parallel between the enterprise world and the game hacking world uh and where game hackers have developed a lot of techniques that get used in the enterprise world so so to give I, i'm getting a little off track but to give an example like if you're looking at say uh process injection techniques uh a lot of these come from the game hacking world yeah. things that uh maybe could be used by like meterpreter or your your pen testing payload come from a a, a a researcher who is doing it to bypass an anti-cheat or something like that and it is always it always kind of makes my day to see that uh that world of of you know people who probably aren't even old enough to be in college to be doing this professionally and seeing them influence the the corporate world of uh pen testing and of like red team assessments and stuff like that what's the new thing happening in whale are you still continuing working on it like do you have new challenges when web is web itself is developing or web it itself is evolving i'm pretty sure that the uh, web assembly uh, or the game industry itself is creating like new evolution in the gaming um, itself like what's the advancements or what's the future plans for whale yeah. Um, so I, I've uh, a couple years ago, I released my WebAssembly game hacking tools, and um, at, at, it's been an interesting sort of buildup of users. And I've I've had some interesting experiences. I've actually seen uh, rare cases where people are specifically like uh, building into their game or into their website. Uh, code that looks for tools I made. So basic sort of anti-cheat looking specifically for signatures in tools I've made. And that's a really cool feeling to me to be like, oh, I actually built something that got someone's attention. Um, and uh, I guess another interesting thing about uh, developing 
hacking tools and having sort of that stuff out there on the internet is you get a lot of very strange hate mail. Um, uh, I think about, I don't know, six months or so after I released uh, my my game hacking tool, I, I have two, there's Whale, which we've talked about, and then there's Cetus, uh, which is sort of the, the packaged version of Whale where you're able to do those cheat engine type uh, uh, hacks in an actual browser extension with the UI and everything. And um, a few months after, after uh, releasing this, I got this email in my you know, public email address uh, and I couldn't exactly figure out what the guy thought I was doing, but my, my read on it from the context was that he had been playing some game of some sort with some hacker and he was uh, absolutely certain that one, I was that hacker and two, I was moments away from an FBI raid. Um, and I guess that hasn't happened yet, but it was an interesting introduction to being an open source, like uh, hacking tool developer to get that uh, negative feedback, I guess. But, uh, I, I do enjoy it. Um, so I guess, I guess future plans, I mean, WebAssembly is uh, uh, continuing to develop. There are some really interesting things uh, coming down the line, I would love to, uh, I mean, I certainly plan to continue supporting that stuff. I would love to just continue um, uh, with optimizations. I mean, part of building Whale was uh, working around the fact that WebAssembly didn't support a lot of the things that would sort of be necessary for the type of uh, instrumentation and the type of uh, uh, exploitation I was trying to do. And so as those features get, uh, impl get implemented, get added into your browser, uh, it would actually be nice to be able to say, look, this is now an obsolete tool. It's no longer necessary. You can just use this API or something like that. Um, that hasn't happened quite yet. But I am uh, periodically seeing things where it's like, gosh, I had this workaround and that's not necessary anymore. And that is kind of a good feeling to see that, uh, yeah, I built this thing and maybe it's not really useful anymore. But that just means that, hey, the, the industry has evolved. Before we, we wind up, um, for the new bloods who wanted to get into InfoSec or, or the existing security people who wanted to get into game uh, hacking, or uh, people who are into open source expecting um, such weird emails. What is your, <laughs> what's your, uh, yeah, word of wisdom or just uh, just an advice? Sure. I mean, so if you're interested in hacking in any form, I would say video game hacking is a great place to start. One, because you've probably already played video games. You're probably at least a little bit familiar with. Uh, uh, some sort of exploitation, even if it's just like, oh gosh, if I play this game and I stack enough boxes, I can jump up to something I'm not supposed to. It, it gets you in that mindset of these are the kind of things that you're looking for, these sort of oversights and stuff like that. I would also say that game hacking is just a really satisfying way to get into hacking and infosec because it is very flashy it uh it stimulates the senses you know when you're doing like a corporate pen test or something it's cool to say i got domain admin but then you have to explain to everyone what that means and everything it's really easy to explain to someone what game hacking is because it's really obvious when it happens um 
And so I would say if you're looking for something sort of motivational and fun, it is a really good way to get started that is also sort of challenging and uh, uh, in that same sense, very rewarding. And then I guess from purely the perspective of someone who does open source tool development, the thing that uh, I really had to get over as a hurdle is thinking that, well, if this tool doesn't exist, it must be a really hard problem. Otherwise, someone else would have built it. And the truth is, that's not really the case. And I've, I've run into a handful of things where it turns out that, no, er there's a lot of people who could benefit from this, but no one's really gone through the work of just making it a thing. Or if they have, they never put it out there because they thought, well, I'm not good enough at writing code. People are going to laugh at my terrible code or something like that. And um, my experience has been that people are really grateful for the fact that you've built something if it's actually useful to them. They don't really care about how bad your code is. Take it from me because my code is not very good. Uh, and uh, it is really genuinely rewarding to put something out there, see it be used and get that feedback, even if it's just hate mail from a random email address saying that, yeah, no, what you put out there has an effect on the world. It's, it's someone's actually using it. So I would say that is really what, uh, what I would recommend to you is that if you feel like this is something I'm lacking, there's someone else out there who's probably also saying, I would love it if someone built this and that that person will if you put it out there that person will find it and they'll probably be very appreciative of you so that's a that's um it's hard to get in that public eye but once you do it you're going to understand that this was worth it and this is a really rewarding experience thanks jack i think that was great talking to you and this is a whole new uh, domain for me to learn and and understand your experience uh, this is great talking to you. Thanks, Jack. All right. Thanks so much. Thanks, everyone, for listening to the podcast. We'll see you in the next episode.